Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Time for us to check in with Bob Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. Good morning, Ron. And good morning, Simi. Okay, I wanted to start by asking you if you've seen this BC Ferries thing this morning. I've been keeping track of it since AM730 flagged it. But they've got a seven or eight sailing weight today already to go from uh, Vancouver to to, to Tawasin to Swartz Bay. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Well, it's crazy. It's also what's been going on on the ferries. I see a piece in the Victoria paper this morning, Times Colonist, saying that ferries are saying now it's going to be routine that you need a reservation to walk on the ferry. What? So that's always been that's always been the backup. Uh, but uh, the ferries are regulated in terms of their carrying capacity, and when the the walk on count reaches a certain level, they don't sell you tickets anymore. That doesn't tend to happen. Now it's happening. So you go to the ferry terminal, assuming you're lucky enough to find a parking space. So you walk on, uh, they turn you away because um, the ferry is already sold out. So I, like <laughs> I mean, one Simi, ship this going is, out of service is like, I can't believe that it's yeah. just one ship going out yeah, of service no. doing this. Uh, uh, well, you know, this is a service that's clinging to its fingernails, as I say. And, uh, you know, John Horgan claimed he had the solution, right? They fired the CEO last summer, a year ago, a million and a half dollars in severance. And, you know, the New Democrats were going, oh, well, this guy had it coming to him, right? And you ask people standing in the lineup, this was Horgan's line, you ask people standing in the lineup, they'll say, what took you so long to fire the CEO? Okay, they fired the CEO. They put a former NDP cabinet minister in charge, a chair of the board. She picked her CEO. Have they turned things around? Do they even have a plan to do that? They say they do, but here's the thing. Uh, I see a Global last night points out that the ship that's out of service is just going into dry dock now to be serviced. Yeah. So, uh, no, I mean, they said, again, I know they hate it when you actually quote what they said, but, you know, Rob Fleming, uh, the transportation minister, uh, the Canada Day thing was the last, right? Next holiday weekend, we're going to have this stuff solved. Well, uh, the next holiday weekend is coming up and we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But if they can't even get the foot passengers on the ship, uh, you know, they're now staking an awful lot of hope, Simi, on the fact that they've reopened wages with the workers, with the union. Okay. Having trouble attracting workforce to the ferries. Workers are leaving. And so, okay, they're going to have a wage negotiation, reopen it almost a year early and pay the ferry workers more to try to attract more people to work on the ferries. Uh, the one thing I would say about that, and I mentioned this before, I grew up in Nanaimo, and when I was in high school in Nanaimo, uh, the ferries were seen as a terrific job. The benefits mm-hmm. were really good. The pay was good. And uh, frankly, it was a lot safer than going to work in the pulp mill, which was one of the other job options in Nanaimo. So uh, I think the ferries need to, in addition to dealing with the pay issue, they need to think seriously about how to make what I think the ferries still are, which is a very good career choice for young people, uh, providing they get the safety training and all of that. 
because the jobs are there, not, maybe not forever, but at least until we build a fixed link bridge across Vancouver Island, and the benefits being government are very good. That's very true. I also, I've been keeping a close eye. I'm curious to know how this goes. This new foot passenger only ferry that's going to go from downtown Vancouver to Nanaimo that's going to launch very soon? Yeah, those services haven't done well in the past because of the com- competition from BC Ferries. And the last one faltered because you know, the ship hit a mechanical problem and they didn't have a backup vessel. This time they have two vessels. Uh, this time, the Ferry Workers Union uh, is saying, hey, they're already stealing workers from us. And the foot passenger option, a fast crossing to the mid-island, uh, it sounds good. Uh, it one does. wishes them well. Oh, the, it's funny, the, the Liberals always, when they were in power, thought, well, we're going to have competition for BC Ferries. It never really materialized in any way that was lively. But for foot passengers, getting on, getting off the ferry, especially if you're working downtown or living near the ferry terminal in Nanaimo, uh, it sounds like a pretty good option. Well, this is what I'm thinking. Like, I'm wondering if this is the beginning of that to start to see some competition for BC Ferries because they clearly don't know what to do. Well, and you know, I think the BC Ferries now, the, the mindset has changed sufficiently. The recognition of how expensive it is to build new vessels, uh, the recognition of how you know, cumbersome it is to tell people you have to drive all the way to these remote ferry terminals and then park your car and then walk on. Uh, There's a lot to be said for having a surface level passenger service only going straight into downtown Vancouver. Uh, Ferries shouldn't see that as competition. They should see that as filling a need that it would be very expensive for BC Ferries to fill. Now, I think another Victoria crossing would be great because that's what we need, right? You can get to Nanaimo. There's lots of choices, but getting to Victoria is another matter. Yes. So when I worked uh, in Vancouver uh, 30 years ago now, there was (laughs) there was a ferry that left uh, downtown Vancouver and came all the way to Victoria Harbor. And it was a fast ferry. Uh, But the problem it had was that it's a long way around to get to Victoria Harbor. It's not a straight run like Nanaimo, Vancouver. It's you have to go all the way around Saanich and Victoria and Oak Bay and everything to get to the harbor. And uh, it was a great way to go. And I used to leave work on uh, Friday in Vancouver and I'd be here in the evening and I'd leave on the ferry on Sunday night. It was a good way to commute. That service didn't survive. It just couldn't uh, pay the bills uh, to operate privately. And the waters are rough uh, out there, particularly from Victoria all the way around uh, Saanich and North Saanich to get into the uh, Georgia Strait from Juan de Fuca Strait. And it didn't work. It was just, it was too rough. It had an awful nickname, the Vomit Comet, for reasons you might be able to imagine. (laughs) And it didn't catch on. So I wish them tremendous luck. Victoria is a much tougher, much tougher nut to crack just because of the way our waterways are laid out. Okay. Well, still, I'm very curious about how this is all going to play out, if that's going to be the case. All right. We're back for more with Vaughn Palmer here. We're talking about decriminalization. And I feel a bit, Vaughn, like maybe the tide of opinion is changing a little bit on this. I think it is, Simi, because people are now having to live with the consequences of what it actually means, particularly if it's happening in their neighborhood or if they're uh, 
you know, in a in a town where we're seeing the the, the fallout from decriminalization. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that, you know, when when we were being persuaded to go this route here in British Columbia, and I think it was undertaken with the best of intentions. You heard again and again when we asked, well, what would the model be? What would it be like? They say, well, look at Portugal. Portugal was one that you heard all the time. The other one was Oregon, closer, Portland, Oregon, and all that. And Simi, uh, the latest on both of those experiments is that there's a lot of increasingly negative fallout. It's not working as well as they said. You had yesterday on your show, and I was reading over the transcript of it this morning, uh, a writer for the Atlantic Monthly who's looking at Portland and Oregon and saying there's serious problems there. Some of those problems, I think, would be familiar to British Columbians. Washington Post recently had a piece. Again, it's still available on the paper's website on Portugal. And again, all kinds of problems, crime, um, the treatment systems aren't being taken up, uh, overdose problems. The police are reluctant to enforce because they don't think the courts take the offenses seriously. And drug users are continuing to use drugs because the drugs are free now and provided by the government. So I look at that. I, I guess the first thing I would say is when you talk about this, you hear a lot of pushback from the advocates, right? The advocates of decriminalization say, oh, you're not giving the experiment a chance, and this is a right-wing backlash, and uh, you're stigmatizing drug use again, and the experiment hasn't had a chance long enough to run. Okay, that's fair comment, but frankly, Simi, I think those kind of reports are identifying the basis for a public backlash. Yes. The people who advocate these experiments should be thinking a lot more about what's going wrong elsewhere, how we can avoid it happening here, and also think about how the kind of backlash that is happening is undermining support for the experiment. It's just, it's a fascinating exercise in human nature though too, isn't it, Vaughn? Because by dismissing people's concerns, that grows, but think about how hard those same people had to convince us yeah. that this would work to begin with. So don't dismiss people's concerns <laughs> because yeah. it, it can really make a difference. Well, look at the decision yesterday. It was widely reported today in the Sun. Global's reported it's in the Globe and Mail today. The decision on the open drug use site yeah, uh, in, in Vancouver, in Yaletown. Uh, city Council is refusing to renew the lease because of well, first of all, there's a lawsuit. There's an enormous backlash in the neighborhood. And I'm looking at advocates and they're disappointed and they're saying this needs to be given a try and you shouldn't have let NIMBY rule this. Well, NIMBY is NIMBY, uh, not in my backyard. Look, uh, you can be the greatest supporter of the theoretical idea of decriminalization and you might well change your opinion if one of these sites is plunked down in your neighborhood And we have the kind of story after story after story that's been occurring in that neighborhood. If you owned a place there, you might accept the good intentions of decriminalization and safe using sites, but still wish the hell it was in somebody's neighborhood other than yours. Well, that's the thing. And I know that the city has made city councillors, some of them have said that they wanted some safeguards put in place or they wanted some action taken. They claim that the site, you know, people who run the site wouldn't do that. And so therefore yep. they're not renewing the lease. And I thought, well, th- where are they going to go now? 
Well, that's a very good point. There's a housing issue. There's a policing issue. There's a security issue. But the city council is going. That neighborhood's had enough. Uh, Same issue raised, I thought, very effectively by Brad West, the mayor of Port Coquitlam. And he, Port Coquitlam, is going to crack down on open drug use in parks and uh, beaches and recreational spaces used by families and the public. He's got a lot of support behind that. There were people saying, oh, this is wrong. You're going to re-stigmatize drug use and all that. He's, you know, I see him as on the side of the long-term interest in decriminalization. What you have to show people is that it actually works. Well, yes. The sites are safe. That's so basic. Yeah, something that jumped out in both Portland and in Portugal in the coverage The idea was you would, and the stigmatization, make the drugs available, but also make treatment available and push the users into taking treatment. What's happening in some of those places is people are just taking the drugs. Exactly. Access. Oregon poured a lot of money into treatment. The Portuguese put a lot of money into treatment. People aren't taking the treatment. You know, I hate to say it, but that may be a better judge of human nature than the good intentions of the people behind decriminalization. Agreed. Do you also get a a sense of perhaps a change in tone from what you're hearing when the premier on this? Uh, I think people in support of decriminalization should pay very close attention to what David Eby is saying, because he's, I think, thinking ahead to the next provincial election. And his tone has changed. He has gone from being uh, just a strong supporter of decriminalization and a guy who looks across the floor of the legislature to BC Liberals, BC United, and says, hey, you guys supported this as well. Now, the key line for me is this is an experiment and one that we have to monitor carefully. So he's a politician who's thinking about the backlash, recognizes it's real, wants to head it off, but he doesn't, he isn't trying to head it off by being in denial. He is trying to head it off by thinking ahead to how do we make this experiment work? That's the interest that the advocates should have. And instead of grumbling about a right-wing backlash over this or NIMBY forces, they should be meeting with the EB government and saying, and the federal government too, which is in denial about this as well, and say, okay, what can we do to deal with the problems that are creating the backlash? Because the backlash is real. And if you deny it or stigmatize it, all you're going to do is undermine support for your experiment. Very true. Vaughn, thank you for that. Bye-bye, Simi.